You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Some say, well, it's not a literal fire. I want to say to you, who cares? Did I wake anybody up? You're going to tell me that it's a imagery of a literal fire. It's a lake of fire. And Jesus said there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And you think you're okay to go there? Really? The utter foolishness. The other epitome of a fool that says, well, it's not going to be that rad. My friends are going to be there. Hell has been the subject of much debate through the history of Christianity. People question whether it's literally a lake of fire and many whether it even exists. Others claim that it's only a temporary punishment for those who reject God. But as Pastor Danny points out in the words of today's passage, Scripture makes it clear that hell is very real. Whether it's a lake of fire or whatever literal form it takes, Ultimately, it's a place of eternal separation from God, and you don't want to go there. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Revelation, chapter 20, as he continues his message, The Great White Throne of Judgment. Think about this now. Think about the people that won't stand before this great white throne judgment. Moses. Wait a minute. Moses, wait a minute. You you said Cain. He was the first murderer. But Moses also is a murderer. But he's not going to stand before this throne. Not before this judgment. King David. Oh, wait a minute. He's a murderer too. He was also a hypocrite for a period of time. He lied. He's an adulterer. But he won't stand before this great white throne. Neither will Samson. And you read the 20 years of hidden sin in his life and he hit the wall. But his final act recorded that he died in. And he killed more of the enemy in his death than he did in his life. And he's recorded for us in Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of fate. Samson's going to escape this great white throne judgment. Not because he deserves it. But he won't be there. Rahab the prostitute. Saul of Tarsus, who persecuted Christians and had them not only thrown in jail, but murdered them as well. One you can't forget. Oh, my goodness. There are two thieves, one on his right and one on his left. They're both in the beginning mocking him. And then one begins to respond to the spirits moving in his heart. And he turns to Jesus and he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus turns to him and he says, today. Today you'll be with me. That thief won't stand before this great white throne. The sinful woman at the home of Simon the Pharisee wet Jesus' feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. And he turns to her. Sins are forgiven. The woman called adultery. 
One by one, her accusers go away. And then Jesus says, where are you accusers? Well, they're gone. Neither do I. Go leave your life of sin. You've been set free. The Samaritan woman at the well. How can you forget her? She doesn't come to the well when the crowd comes in the morning. No, she waits till high noon. Nobody's there at high noon. Why is she coming then? She's had five husbands. Now she's living with a guy. And you think in our culture, you know, maybe not that big of a deal. In that culture, she's an outcast. Everybody's talking about her behind her back. And some probably to her face. Jesus offers her the water of eternal life. And she receives it. You've had five husbands and the one you're with is not your husband. And instead of condemning her, he just offers her what she doesn't deserve. And then the list just goes on and on and on. I mean, we could spend a lot of time here. I did put one more name, a very important name down here. He won't be before this throne. He won't stand before the great white throne. I, I put it down right here. Danny Hodges. I'm not going to stand before this throne. Well, my goodness, if, if, if some murderers are, are going to uh, be judged and thrown into the lake of fire and other murderers aren't, what in the world is that criteria for judgment? What is the criteria? Well, the books. Books. The passage is very clear. And books were open. Books, plural. And then another book was open. So you have the books here. Doesn't tell us what the books are. But the books here are open. And those that are going to be cast into the lake of fire are judged according to these books. But there's another book open. And that's the book of life. And by the books... The record, that's the criteria. What are these books? There's 66 right here. All made into one we call the Bible. Good thought. But then there's Jesus' words. Listen to this. Matthew chapter 12. If you're a note taker, Matthew chapter 12. Let me read you verses 36 and 37. Listen carefully. Jesus said, I tell you, On the day of judgment, that's where we're at, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you'll be justified, and by your words, you'll be condemned. Whoa, every careless word? And we're not talking about just the GD and the JC out of context and not glorifying to God. We're not talking about the foul mouth. Every careless word. Every word that's not edifying. If you're married, we're in trouble, man. (laughs) And then I think it's probably safe to say that among the books that are open, there's one back here in the Old Testament that includes Ten Commandments. They go like this. You shall have no other gods before me. Anybody, anything ever take priority over God? Guilty. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will hold 
not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. So Jesus said every careless word. That's not just the GD and the JC. But now, you misuse the name of the Lord. Every GD. Every JC. Wow. He's keeping record. Uh, But it doesn't stop there. Uh, You shall not commit adultery. Now, religious crowd, man, they they thought we were okay on this one. Until Jesus showed up. And then Jesus ruined it for, for all of us. Because he said, he said, if you've ever thought in your heart, if you have ever looked at a woman and you've imagined, you're guilty of adultery. Ah, we're in trouble. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Every lie. You shall not cover your neighbor's wife, your neighbor's house. His servant, his ox, his donkey, his boat, anything that belongs to your neighbor. Paul, as prosecuting attorney for heaven, the book of Romans in the beginning, he lays out the accusation, the Gentile world, all the Jews are going, yeah, 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 heathens, you know. And then he deals in chapter two with the Jews. He said, you think you're better. You're just as bad. And then in chapter three, he just kind of sums it all up. You know this verse that he sums up. You know this verse if you've been in church for many years. It's Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all in trouble. If the criteria for judgment are these books. But there's another book open. That's what the text said, right? There's another book open. So you got these books, and and this probably includes the Ten Commandments. It it, it obviously includes every record of every careless word. And so, uh, big, 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 big books right here. Then another book. This is the book of life. What did it say? And another book was opened, which is the book of life. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, I know you don't want to do it, but we got to do justice to the text. So we got to spend just a moment. Uh, you deal with the, the presence of the one on the throne, no escape. You deal with the people who stand before the throne and the people who won't stand before the throne. Those are going to be judged based on what they've done. And then those that escape because they're in the book of life. And these are going to be judged, the lake of fire. Come on. Is it really a lake of fire? I mean, it's just really warm, right? That's a big debate today. It's been a debate for years. Francis Chan wrote a book a while back, and since Francis Chan is a fairly well-known guy in the church, uh, let me read you what he and a guy named Preston Sprinkle write about this subject. Most evangelical Christians who believe that hell is a literal place and that its duration is forever do not interpret the fire image literally. Uh, Well-known figures such as John Calvin, Martin Luther, C.S. Lewis, Billy Graham, D.A. Carson, J.I. Packer, Sinclair Ferguson, all understand the fire images non-literally. Non-literally. They go on to say, this is supported by several passages in which a literal fire would conflict with what the author says elsewhere. Jude, for example describes hell as an eternal fire, Jude verse 7. While six verses later, he calls hell the blackest darkness. 
Fire and the gnashing of teeth that Jesus talked about depict intense pain and suffering. Darkness can face separation from God. Worms that don't die probably emphasizes the shame of eternal death, if not its never-ending duration. And so some say, well, it's not a literal fire. I want to say to you, who cares? Did I wake anybody up? You're going to tell me that it's a imagery of a literal fire. It's a lake of fire. And Jesus said there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And you think you're okay to go there? Really? The utter foolishness. The utter epitome of a fool that says, well, it's not going to be that rad. My friends are going to be there. You're damned. You're doomed. It's an awful place to go. Then the question is, after dealing with, is it literal? Is the hell really fire? And is the lake of fire, is it really fire? It's damnation. And then the question is, is it forever? And I have a hard time wrapping my mind around that. You, you would think that at some point, they paid their dues, you know? I mean, it's like, come on. Forever and ever. While the literalness of hell and the lake of fire has been debated, and we have some pretty good opinions. But I say, who cares whether it's literal or not? It's awful. It's awful. But while that can be debated, whether it's literal or not, there's one thing that cannot be debated. Biblically. Is it forever? Matthew chapter 25 And the context of Matthew chapter 25 is the final judgment. And Jesus says when he sits on his throne and he separates people as sheep from goats. And the sheep are the ones who have their name written in the book of life. And the goats are the ones who don't. And here's what he says in verse 46. Then they, they will go away to eternal punishment. But the righteous to Eternal life. Why is this not debatable? Because if if it's not eternal punishment, then we don't have eternal life. It's the same word. If we have eternal life, it's the same word used for eternal punishment. And as hard as it is for me to wrap my mind around it, that is what the word of God says. People want to emphasize the love of God. And I like to emphasize the love of God. One of the most famous passages on the love of God is found in 1 John. Chapter 4, verses 16 to 18. It says three words. This is what it says. God is love. But you've got to read the context. Let me read you the context. God is love. Perfect love Cast out fear because fear has to do with punishment. He who is made perfect in love does not fear. When God appeared to Moses, the record goes like this. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. The Bible tells us hell was created for the devil 
and his angels. Not for me. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But you know what the next verse is? You know what the next verse is? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Romans 5, 9. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Colossians 2, 13 and 14. He forgave us all our sins having canceled the written code, the Ten Commandments. Question is, is your name in the book? It's called the Book of Life in several places, but a couple of places it gets more specific. It's called the Lamb's Book of Life. And the only way you get your name in that book is if you placed your trust and your life in His hand. It's interesting, I mentioned 1 John, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. And I gave you the context. God is love. That's the context. Let me give you the broader context. All of 1 John. You say, do we have time for that? Yeah, we do. It's five chapters. And you know why 1 John was written? Do you know? Let me tell you why it was written. John closes the letter inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he says in chapter 5, just before the very end of the book, verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. It's the one book in the New Testament dedicated to the believer that he can read it and meditate on it and get the message from it. And you can know by just reading if you really are saved. Are you? Many are going to stand before him and say, but Lord, we did all these things in your name. Depart from me. I never knew. Do you know him? Here's another witness. Deep in your soul. It's not based on perfection. Don't, don't misunderstand. It's not based on perfection. One of the places the book of the Lamb's book of life, the book of life is mentioned is Philippians 4.13. You know what the context is there? It's two women in the church that are having such a spat. They're not talking to each other anymore. And he says that they have their names written in the book of life. It's not based on what we've done in terms of our goodness. It's based on what we've done with Jesus. Do you know Jesus? When did you receive him as Lord and Savior? And what is the evidence what is the evidence that you really know? Jesus said, depart from me. I never knew you. Do you have that witness in the spirit? That I'm a child of God. Not how much you attend church. Not how much you know about the Bible. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you diligently study the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. Yet you refuse to come to me. Do you know Jesus? Is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? 
Disciples came back after the first missionary journey and they're rejoicing because they had such power. Even demons submitted to them. They come back and they say, even the demons submit to us. And Jesus said, don't rejoice that the demons submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Father, I pray for souls. I pray for anyone, Lord, that needs to make that eternal decision that will change their destiny. That will grant them the wonderful privilege to escape this great white throne judgment. I pray for those who are young. I pray for the middle-aged. And I pray especially for the old. <coughs> because statistics are that the older we get, the less chance of us making that decision. I pray, Lord, you save souls. Right now. Right here. You're here with us in the service, or maybe you're watching by modern technology, or listening by modern technology. I'm just the messenger. I can't move you in your soul. The Holy Spirit does that. I can't draw you to Jesus. The Holy Spirit does that. And if that's you, and you'd like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you'd like to have your name written in the Lamb's book of life. Would you just ask Him to come into your life? Would you just say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Come into my life. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Help me now to live for you. The rest of this life. In Jesus' name. Fear. Fear is one of the things that will keep people out of heaven. All kinds of fear. Fear is also present, usually, when you make that decision for Christ. Because now, now it's, can I be a Christian incognito? Well, the answer is no. No, no, can't. Did you just pray that prayer? I don't care if I'm talking to people that I've been your pastor for 20 years, and yet you just made a decision to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Don't let fear, don't let shame, don't let any of those kind of emotions, don't let any of those kind of things keep you from now taking a step that's going to help you take steps when you leave this church service. Because now if you just prayed that prayer, look, it's not just fire insurance. It's a relationship now. Oh, yeah, you don't have to stand before the great white throne. Oh, yeah, no hell, no lake of fire. Yeah, wonderful. But now it's a relationship. And Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. So if you're, well, what you prayed is real. If you really meant it, take the first step of confessing publicly. Now, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Come on, you prayed that prayer. Just stand up. Just stand up. Say, yeah, I prayed that prayer. And I'm standing. I'm unashamed. Don't let the fear, don't let the fear keep you. 
As you continue to study the book of Revelation, you'll see destruction and death, but also the incredible future that awaits you if you're a follower of Jesus. The pictures painted of the throne room of heaven are inspiring and exciting, and you will one day get to stand where John stood. You'll meet the Lamb of God, who took away your sins. You'll rejoice with the angels and spend eternity getting to know your Creator as He always intended, in perfect love. This is something to cling to as you move through the difficulties of life. Knowing that you have a new home waiting in heaven can also be the catalyst to move you to share the good news of grace with others. They can also have a chance to live eternally with Jesus, and they might just be waiting for someone to introduce them. We hope today's message on the Living Word has been a blessing to you, and we'd like to tell you how you can access more teachings from Pastor Danny. All you need to do is visit our website, ccfstpete.church. Click on Sermons to be directed to our YouTube channel. And don't forget to subscribe. That way, you'll never miss a new edition of The Living Word. Are you listening in the St. Petersburg area right now? If so, we have a special invitation for you. Pastor Danny and all of us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship would love to have you join us for our weekend services. Find out more and get directions at ccfstpete.church. Once more, that website is ccfstpete.church. Thanks for tuning in today, and we hope you'll join us again right here on The Living Word.